0: Welcome to the True Talk Cafe podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited you're here. Our podcast will tackle a myriad of topics, ranging from relationships to personal development and everything in between. My name is Renee Stewart, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Anna Garcia, Carla DePore, and Lali ramirez bennett Collectively, we span four generations. Can you believe that? We've all experienced ups and downs in our personal lives and professional careers that have qualified us to share our unique perspectives with you, and we're excited to do so. But before we get into today's content, I wanted to let you know where you can find us on social media. On Instagram and Facebook, you can use at True Top Cafe, and on Twitter, you can use at True Top Cafe One. Don't forget to like us, rate us, and leave a review. We value your feedback. We want to ensure that we are providing content that resonates with you. So please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to your podcast. Spoiler alert, you will want to stay tuned to hear what our guests are going to share about this exciting topic today. Also, stick around to find out how you can join us on a live show. We would love to have you join us on one of our episodes. Now, let's get started. Let me pose a question to you. Have you been working from home since the pandemic, and now your company is requesting that you return to work? Well, that's a decision that employees have been faced with over the past year or so. In today's episode called Return to Work Facts and Myths, we will discuss the difficult situations employees experience in the workplace and provide some tips on how to build resilience.
1: So now I'll turn it over to Anna to start us off. Hey, everyone. As a result of the pandemic, most everyone had to pivot to a remote working format. Initially, it was a bit challenging, but most companies were able to make the shift to keep their business operational and running. Since COVID-19 restrictions eased, many companies have been calling their employees back to the office, and that includes abandoning their hybrid attendance policies altogether. Some executives and leaders believe productivity increases when workers are in the same office and all working together, while others hope to increase in-person collaboration. Some employers are taking extremes to get people back into the office, tracking attendance, or threatening to terminate workers who do not comply. As our conversation continues, we'll explore the ultimatums employees are dealing with from employers as well as provide some tips to building employee resilience. We've heard that many people
2: are threatening or leveraging pay raises, bonuses, benefits, and perks. In this inflationary economy, still recovering from COVID-19, employers are doing everything in their power to find and keep talent. What impact has the pandemic had on employee decisions to return to work?
1: You know, Lolly, that's a great question. As some of you may have heard, I am now a corporate graduate and have pivoted to starting my own business and career coaching. And recently, I've had an increase of people reaching out to have conversations about how the new return to work policies impacting them. Some have stated that their companies are basically asking them to move to a completely new city. And these are even cities that were not part of the agenda prior to the pandemic. So it's a complete pivotal point in their careers. We have this conversation often on how it's impacting those decisions and what to do. And a lot of my conversations are turning into more of a career transition versus on a return to work. So I think it's impacting a lot of individuals on how they're making decisions that will impact their life. I think, Raleigh, you and I spoke about this earlier. We had a conversation about a lot of those conversations with these individuals are like, do not make a move that will not sustain you or make you happy if in three months it changes. We've seen it before where companies made these drastic push for their employees to all move or to be in one office only to determine, oh wow, more people than we thought accepted that change. We still have to make cuts. So three months later, in a brand new city with a you know a network that you might not have built, you're now being surplus, laid off, or challenged to go and find something new altogether. So I think there's a lot of thought that has to go into the decision making process on returning to work, and what that looks for each individual is going to be completely different. What do you think, Renee?
0: Totally agree with you. The pandemic just really sent the corporate world. Really, it really, really did. Leaders had to rethink how people work, right? They had to rethink, hey, do we need people to come back to the office? If we do, what does that look like? You had two different types of workforces, right? You have those that are more office office work. And then you had those that might've been in a manufacturing type of environment or where you had to be on site. So they had to determine, You know, what do we do with that? If you can't work from home, then, you know, how do we make it fair? So a lot of decisions had to be made, but on the employee side, a lot of people enjoyed it. You know, once they really transitioned and got into the groove of working remotely, and then now they're being asked to come back into the office, they're just like, wait a second, I was more productive. You know, look at our numbers some companies paid out bonuses. So if you're paying out a bonus, a hefty bonus based off of the last year or two, then how can you explain why I need to come back into the office due to productivity issues? Right. And I know I've heard that at my company, we're like, wait a second, you guys paid us the best bonus since I've been working there 15 years. So, why do we have to come back into the office to work? You know, that's what employees are asking themselves. And they are challenging leadership.
2: Absolutely agree with you, Renee, because that's the piece that's got me scratching my head. It's like, I worked in numbers. I I dealt with productivity every day. I measured absence and how well we were doing per unit we produced. And you're right. We saw the productivity improve during the pandemic, it took us a few months to kind of level out, right? But once we, we came up, mm-hmm. we re- did really well. We saw less absence. We were just, employees were willing to be able to do their work because they didn't have to worry about an hour or two of commute time. They were able to focus in on getting the stuff done. And now we're telling them the opposite. And I, I keep trying to, to find the value. You know, collaboration, I have to tell you, I mean, the three of us, we've worked very well during the pandemic and collaborating with other companies, with other peers across states and stuff. So it's not an in-person collaboration doesn't make it better. In many cases, I know that if I go into the office, I lose productivity because I now get distracted by things that I normally wouldn't have to be if I was working from home. So it's a challenge, and, and especially when you have people out there that are being, you know, facing this situation of now I need to move out of town to be able to keep a job. And to honest point, it doesn't mean that you keep a job, you may keep a job today, but it doesn't mean you're gonna keep it for the next six months or a year or whatever. And so you really need to be able to know that you're
0: doing what's right for you, in my opinion. Absolutely. I would definitely agree with that. And that kind of segues into our next question. I talked about worker power, right? the employee, that worker power has been on the rise. So what impact has this power dynamic had on company culture?
1: Anna? It's actually impacted the company significantly. I think that during the pandemic, there was an awakening of sorts when it comes to the workforce. I think we recognized the power that we could leverage when it came to the companies and the culture that we choose. And one of the things I've always told, you know, my mentees, my clients and everyone, it's like, don't choose a company strictly for the pay. Don't choose a company strictly for the job title. Make sure that the culture aligns with you. Because ultimately, when we are in an environment, whether it's a work from home or work in the office, ideally, the company culture is what we're seeking, right? That's the comfort that we're seeking. And recognizing the power that we have as a workforce. And being able, without us, the companies cannot move forward. Without us, the consumer has nowhere to go. So it is a very, it is a power dynamic that's very impactful on a, on a culture. I spoke to an HR lady today who was talking about how five generations ago, three generations ago, it's not the same. It's not the same dynamic. The newer generation, yes, they seek collaboration but they've been in this virtual world a lot longer and a lot more comfortably than we have. So they can collaborate. They can be a benefit to the company, to their groups, to their team, to their consumers. Very well with just the you know the mic and the camera screen. So I think that we have to pay attention to that. Companies should definitely be paying attention to that as well. I value time and collaboration with our teams and I'm sure we all do meet. We come together once in a while to chat, right? But I do think that forcing something that has no longer been organic on individuals is not the most productive use of a company's time or the company's energy. There's a lot more ways to be productive. The bottom line is the bottom line. How do we get to it without losing our workforce?
2: Yeah, I really think that when it comes to to the power that the worker has, I think what they're starting to demand is, is true transparency in what it is that you're doing. If you're making this move back into the office and, you know, what, why? We know we are doing better. You told us so this past year as you gave us our performance appraisal. What is it that is? Is it because you're concerned about other people? Is it, you know, and I think you're starting to see more people being comfortable saying, help me understand why. And this doesn't make sense. And that's, that's where you're really changing the the dynamic of what an employee wants from the company they work for, right? They want a company that they can trust. They want a company that they feel has everybody's best interest at heart and isn't simply leading by kind of these tactics that just don't make sense. I know that there's sometimes when there are certain people, maybe at different times in their lives, when maybe you're not going to be as productive if you're working from home. There's people that during the pandemic said, hey, I really can't work from home. We need to work with those conditions. And if somebody, if you gave them the permission to work from home and they aren't producing, then that's a privilege that's taken away. But I think that when you make a a decision that's across the board and just bringing in everybody, it's just very hard to understand in this day and age. Because aside from having to, to go into the office and a loss of time, a loss of peace of mind, you also have that extra expense that you're going to have to incur now with the gas that you hadn't been using, with the parking that you have to pay for, with the clothes that you have to wear, et cetera. And the situation is right now, it doesn't help by any means. Absolutely.
0: I know in my experience, because you know I work in HR, what we've seen is our turnover numbers have increased. And it's not from tenured people, it's from the newer people, maybe from one to three year three years of experience, because over the last three years, right, they were able to work remotely in some fashion or form, right? It may not have been a hundred percent, but three days out of the week, four days out of the week, you know that's pretty good. Now the people that are coming into my office that are resigning, and I ask them you know where they're going, the the typical and why they're leaving. And on their exit interview sheet, they are saying because they either find, found a hybrid uh, new position or totally remote, which they wanted. And then what they would say with that is, that helps me because I have, you know, I have responsibilities at home and I'm able to be at home, work, and take care of my kids or take care of my elderly parents Or whatever it is and so they've opted for that and they have not always gotten increases like significant increases to go where it's like you get like $20,000 more you can't say no right but yeah that's what it is because that's what they're demanding now and they're like well we would stay here we really like it here not one person left our company that did not like our company culture as a whole It's just, they were taking away the remote work piece.
1: In my personal experience, I've been working remote for years, you know, pre-pandemic and everything. And there was a time when I did have a leader that said I had to be in the office eight to five, which didn't make sense for the particular role that I had. And I noticed the Just the morale of everybody on the team diminished. I noticed that people were like, well, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to be able to meet my numbers or meet my goals if I'm I'm stuck in the office doing what I'm not doing. I also noticed when I work from home, I think I work a lot more. I get a lot more done. I get so much more done. And then, you know, one, the commute gives a lot of people headaches, gives a lot of people, you know, stress, added stress. It takes a while to even get started if you have to commute into the office. But I think it's it's very to Lolly's point. Leaders need to also evaluate the value that bringing the individuals back to the work is truly bringing to the organization. If it's just one or two people that cannot work from home, then why penalize the whole group or the whole masses? Why not work with those individuals? And it could be that they very much do enjoy being in the office. So, and that's fine too because there are some individuals we are all you know wired differently and we work differently. I think. We have to evaluate though. I think the problem with today, what's happening today, is the ultimatum. You know, it's almost like you're not really giving me many choices if the choices are A or B, and A has never done, been done before. And now it's just, so you're throwing me a curveball, something completely new. Or B, you know, I'm not as productive or it's not, it doesn't make sense based on my reports on what I've done, what I've accomplished. So I think the ultimatum is really something that is adding to this power dynamic. Its employees are starting to see, well, why are they giving me an ultimatum if I've already met that number? Why or am I getting an ultimatum if I've exceeded the expectations for this year? So I think when we think about all of this, it, and it's a play on both sides, it's not just the individual and it's not just the company, it's both. And how do we create that synergy to where everybody's happy, productive, And of course, the bottom line is being, you know, met and acquired. So that kind of takes us into the next thing, you know, as companies embrace the transition to hybrid workplaces policies, what are some of the pros and cons of these policies? What do you guys think about this, ladies? I'll jump right in on this one. I think that without a doubt, some of
2: the cons, and, and really it could easily be turned into a pro, is that you really need to manage your people differently, right? I, I managed a remote team with people across the U.S. as well as Europe, and you needed to make sure that there were some checkpoints in place that you knew that they were doing their work, that if there you saw or felt that there was something different, that you, you took those steps proactively to be sure that you quickly handled the situation and got them back in, in place. So I think there's no doubt that you have to make sure that you have some very strong, consistent policies and how you manage your people. But I, I think that at the end of the day, you know, we could pay, perhaps, you know, we talk about the fact that you can get someone who has less experience for less dollars, and and it's a, a, a cheaper workforce. But if you're not getting what you need out of that workforce, is it really cheaper? Are you really saving any money? So you really need to put some checkpoints in place to make sure that you're getting what you need out of that money because at the end of the day you could make all of these changes, force all of these people out, and still end up not not getting what you need to be able to to protect your business.
0: Yeah, I, I mean I definitely would agree with that, Lally, and to kind of add on to that, there are some leaders or managers that were not trained to lead or to manage remote a remote team. So they kind of flailed a little bit. And so, you know, HR had to kind of, you know, hurry up and get them some training and, you know, make sure that they knew how to use the tools, their collaborative tools. You know, we have teams, people using Slack and other things and making sure that they were touching base with their people because there were managers that didn't do it at all because they didn't feel comfortable with the tools that were already in place. They just didn't learn how to use them. So, you know, you had to do a little bit of training for some of these managers and it took them a little bit of time, but, you know, they were able to get on board with it. Now I would go on the pro side of having a hybrid workplace is because the decision makers did listen to employee feedback, right? And they saw some of the turnover numbers because people were like, Hey, I'm not coming back or they realized, you know, they knew they weren't happy in the position that they were in. And since they were home, some people took that time to develop other opportunities based around their passions. And then they just said, hey, I'm not going back. <laughs> if they call me in, I'm not going back. I'm going to go ahead and pursue my passion, which I think is a good thing. But from a company standpoint and going with a hybrid is You're at least listening to some of the feedback and you're saying, okay, we're not going to have 100% in person, but maybe we'll allow you, you know, maybe to work three days from home or two days from home. In my case, they dropped it down to one day and we're trying to hang on to that. (laughs) So I don't know if we're going to hang on to it, but we're trying to hang on to that one day. But it really hurt the morale. You know, we were at four days. And then they dropped it to three, then to two, then to one. So, you know, it really makes a difference. But I think a lot of people are, have pivoted to the hybrid policy. I really do, because they saw the productivity levels. They saw that their employees were happier because they didn't have the commute time. They were saving on money, the costs, especially, like you said, with the way that the economic environment is right now and it made sense. It made sense.
1: What do you think, Anna? I keep thinking about this article I just read on Farmers Group, and I will mention that company because that was it was public. But they had screenshots of an internal messenger board within the company, and they were talking about how some individuals were writing, you know, like, I've pumped up my whole life and moved to be closer to my grandchildren because they said, that this was going to be a permanent policy. So they were promised one thing, they now have a new leader and you know they're trying to come in and change it. So I'm just thinking one of the cons is definitely the morale, right? That's impacting how these individuals feel. Now they feel like not only were they betrayed because they were promised one thing and it's been taken away, but the morale is going to decrease because now you're being forced to work in a manner and environment that you did not that you never agreed to or that was changed and you were promised one thing and you adjust it. As it is, it took us all a while to adjust if we were not already doing that. So we, people who have embraced it and have been productive with it and enjoy it, that's definitely a con because again, it goes back to the power of the worker, right? They're, they can just walk away and, and step back. I think one of the pros though to a hybrid workplace policy, if we keep that, is that you kind of meet everyone in between. We cannot make everyone 100% happy, but it makes sense to have a hybrid policy because now, you know, Renee, you only come to the office, you know, well, right now it's four, right? I think ideally you don't want all four days, you know, because there's a lot of companies that did the 40 in four days. Remember 10 hour work days to get that Friday off. And I think that that's great, but it does get people tired. It's still 10 hours in a day plus the two hour commute for most. And then all of the other things that happen, you don't really have an opportunity to be a parent or to be a student or to be anything else. So the hybrid policies include some of that. If we're commuting again and we're meeting and then a lot of companies sold buildings. So now we're having to commute to an entirely different location or some of them are drop-ins, a lot of companies change that. So there's a lot of cons in that. So now I don't have any space. UN is all in the office, but they're drop-in zones. And I'm, you know, having to test my luck every single day. So I think that's another con with those things and things that we should be, you know, mindful because a lot of, if you look at how many corporations sold facilities and are now only renting one or two floors, it was a good chunk of them and it was needed at the time to, you know, <laughs> preserve the, their profits. But to do this, I don't even think they're looking at that right now. And it needs to be looked at as well. And that's another con on the company side, you know, now the expenses are going to increase when it comes to keeping the lights on and where to keep them on at, so to speak. Yeah. And the other thing to that, Anna, is
2: you know, As we have minimized the office space and made those open environments, the collaboration environments are great. They're absolutely great when you're brainstorming. But I'll tell you, I myself, if I'm in an office and I need to sit down and really crunch some numbers and, and put some models together, I'm going to probably have to wait till I get home because I need to have, I need to be in the zone. I need to have nobody distracting me. I need to be able to look at Multiple huge screens, and that's not easy in that type of an open environment. So therefore, you're you're elongating my days already, and now I'm just it's 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 a very difficult thing because in many cases when I need to de- produce something like that, I need to produce it right away. I don't have the luxury of extra time on the on the back end, right? And so it's really I think that the, the key piece here is understanding that it's not a black or white situation, there's lots of variance in there, and that we need to be understanding of each other. If we can communicate what's going on between the two groups, the, the worker and the employees, perhaps you might be able to find a better measure rather than just an ultimatum. So this kind of brings us into some of the insights that we, we actually captured through survey data on hybrid working models from the conference board. After surveying 1,100 corporate executives across several industries around the the globe, about 25% of those were in the U.S., the findings revealed that the return-to-office mandates for companies such as Amazon, Disney, and Starbucks represent the exception, not the rule. In fact, only 3% of the U.S.-based CEOs indicated they would decrease the availability of remote, remote work in the company which kind of surprises me because I guess, you know, it's like the squeaky wheel gets noticed, right? Because it seems like I've heard so many people talking about the return to work when you look at the numbers, doesn't quite show that. But 5% of respondents did say that they would expand their hybrid work policies, which I do think is a great opportunity. It's likely that 2023 will see a slight expansion of employees working remotely, suggesting that most companies are finding their hybrid workplace policies to be a successful solution for their organizations. And we certainly hope so for the good of our for our employees as well as the, the companies out there and the success that they achieve.
1: All right, let's talk a little bit about some tips, guys, for building your resilience amidst difficult situations. As you know, it's all, always very important to stay motivated. Tough times don't last forever. But, but their very nature, they're rarely over quickly. So as you plot a road through the darkness, you need to find ways to stay motivated, motivated and persevere. We're all going to face some of these difficult times. To all of the individuals that I have spoken to in the past couple of weeks, I, I've shared we are a lot stronger than we even give ourselves credit for. So make sure that you stay motivated. You draft that path however you want it to look. Use and leverage that worker power to determine your next step. And as always, we must invest in self-care and self-acceptance, allowing ourselves grace. Living through tough times can be both mentally and physically draining. Since the body and mind are so closely linked, investing in self-care is an important part of building resilience and getting through times of great stress. When your body feels strong and healthy, so will your mind. So remember to do some exercises, eat right, spend time with girlfriends. If you're like me, use that massage or that, you know, anything that helps you, my facials, whatever, stuff that I won't give up, even if I'm broke. (laughs) I will continue to do invest in that self-care. Take care of yourself so that you can take care of those that depend on you. And so that you can go into your next journey with a, you know, a healthy mind. So, guys, in summary. The post-pandemic employee attraction and retention have been more important as working Americans juggle purchasing power and quality of life amid economic uncertainty. So as we wrap up
0: this exciting, you know, episode, I mean, there were so many nuggets of information and wisdom here, and it's just something that we're going to be dealing with for a while. I don't think that I'm hoping that the hybrid model sticks and we'll see how long that corporate America holds on to it. <laughs> so I think it's going to last for a bit if the workers have anything to say about it. I'd like to thank our listeners and for, for joining the pod crew today. This was definitely an enlightening conversation. The collective voice of the employee has forced employers to rethink their remote work policies, although some have returned In the in-person model, approximately 25% of companies have adopted a hybrid workforce policy. This model has emerged as a popular solution for many organizations as it allows for flexible flexible and adaptable approach to work. So again, we hope you learned something new and or came away with something of value on this topic. As promised, here's how to join us as an audience member at our next show episode. We hope you're just as excited as we are. Go to our True Talk Cafe Facebook page and send us requests to attend season two, episode seven as an audience member. Be sure to use the hashtag TTCS, as in Sam, 2EP7. That's TTCS2EP7. We will respond to your requests with our podcast website link where you'll need to enter your preferred email address for us to see, to send the audience link. We'll also send our audience members a reminder the day before the show recording. It's gonna be so much fun to have you join us live. As always, we welcome your feedback. So please let us know your thoughts about today's show. Leave a comment or review. We st- We will respond to all comments, so please be nice. We'd love to hear your thoughts about today's topic. Please do not forget to like, rate, like, and rate the episode. We appreciate you tuning into our podcast and we hope you join the TTC Facebook page. We put great things there. Again, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook using at True Talk Cafe and on Twitter at True Talk Cafe 1. Please use the hashtag TTC Talks or True Talk Tuesdays. Recommendations for discussion topics are always welcome. We want to ensure we are providing content that is of value to you. So don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Thanks for listening. And we hope you join us on our next podcast episode. It's sure to be an engaging conversation. Talk soon.
1: Bye.
0: Bye Bye-bye.